we know that the night is Bible study night is insight and we want to give ourselves unto it. We are dealing with positives from the black corner, which is the title of the book that I've written. We hope that each of you have a copy. Tonight we want to deal with untangling the web of racism. you noted that we've covered the black man We've emphasized that God gave black men preference and only in that We were black from the beginning. A lot of changes have gone on. We still are black. Two-thirds of the world is still black. But you wouldn't know it if you moved around in America. But I would like to again refer to
those who are not black as of the lighter hue. And we've tried to show that from the very beginning. The black woman has a gene pool which allows her to produce men of all colors. And that those who refer to themselves as being white are but a lighter hue. And it's been by their choice And maybe not so much as their choice, but the choice of others. That they refer to themselves as being white. But we've shown through the scriptures that it's hard to find a white man in the Bible. That's white. But it was more an act of Racism that in America we have such distinction as a white race, black race, and other races. But if we are to get back to what God originally intended, we'll have to dismiss the races, per se. and embrace that there is one race, the human race. 
there are some of the lighter hue and some of the darkest hue. We've tried to show that The light of you are from the Jaffet crowd. The light of you is the dominant hue in America. The darker hue is from the ham and shim crowd. The great flood where God decided to start over the human race. And the problem that he has dealt with is of such that it didn't just begin the 1700s. That's where the distinction was racially made by some Europeans and more because of the their effort to distinguish one race from another. There was more to it than that. That has been the foundation of racism throughout the world. And we've tried in all of our effort to show that there was something wrong and is wrong with that kind of 
distinction. And if we are seeking the panacea for solving the race problem. We have to go back to the Bible. And I think that we owe it to ourselves and to others to go to the Bible. is not difficult in these days to be biblical. There's a challenge presented to the church those of us who are Christian to be biblical. The Bible does not draw a distinction. From the very beginning Men were classified according to heritage. Up until the 1700s, when men of Europe started classifying men according to race and they have been successful so much so that in our day and time it's common to speak of the white race black race, the Indian race, the Mexican race, but we made the comment that if you get beyond the color scheme, All men are the same. Oh, yeah. yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
we want to deal with this thing of untangling, unraveling. the web of racism. And we're glad that tonight we can find emphasis being placed on non-racial appearances. We've shown that Adam and Eve, Noah and his wife and children and their wives were originally just black. More recently, we have dealt with how the changes in appearance, skin-wise, showed up, but we've also agreed that we've come from one hue, the black hue. I don't think we have much question there. But we need to establish tonight that the one you in reference to mankind was black. And only because of other reasons, and we'll see that more tonight in our looking at this passage serving as our text. that there were so many reasons that others came up with a distinction. And I think it's apparent 
that God has much to do with. The distinction between men. And we'll look at a little closer, but I'm challenging you to get a copy of, of the book. And there is a chapter in the book entitled Untangling. The web of racism. Most of our scripture texts have come from the Old Testament to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. Now that's the heart of the text. But you'd have to follow this passage all the way to the end to get the full brunt of the message. And all to be noteworthy, that in this text, we have an antiquitous problem. Antiquitous. It's a problem of old. I think we ought to know why we feud. And it's apparent that Jesus and the woman at the well knew why they were feuding. Y'all do remember the story. Samaria was situated near the heart of Palestine. But remember now, Samaria as other cities was a black land. Right, 
sons of Canaan. Occupied land. This land of Canaan named after Ham's fourth son, Canaan. And don't be afraid to do your studies on Canaan. It was during the time of when Canaan land was still viewed as a part of Africa. The land of Ham. And Amri, king of Israel, built the city of Samaria on a mountain or a hill in Canaan land. And he built that city around 925 BC. And there he established what became the capital city of the kingdom of Israel, the northern kingdom, which was made up of 10 tribes. That's You remember his ten of the tribes of Israel made up the northern kingdom. And don't be afraid to, to look it up. But two of the tribes made up the southern kingdom. The tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. The ten tribes revolted from Rehoboam, which is the son of Solomon. 
and they chose Jeroboam for their king. Jeroboam set up golden calves at Dan and Bethel, the cities of Dan and Bethel. And he did so to make sure his followers wouldn't go to Jerusalem regularly to worship the true God. For he was fearful that they would withdraw their allegiance from him. This is when Samaria became the metropolis of Israel. And thus, the separation between Judah and Israel was rendered complete. The people took the name Samaritans from that capital city. When it is said that our Lord passed through the mist of Samaria, the meaning is that our Lord passed through the mist of the country of Samaria. The, the term included all the tribes over which Jeroboam made himself king. In the ninth year of Hosea, the northern kingdom was taken in the Babylonian captivity. This was when Shalomaster king of Assyria in 720 B.C. captured Samaria and carried it away in captivity and introduced colonies into their place from Babylon to Sepharan, Sepharvian. And the new inhabitants carried with them their own idolatrous worship. During all this time, Samaria was a seat of idolatry. That's why the prophets had a problem. With Samaritans. For it was. The seat. Of the temple of Baal. Built by Ahab. And destroyed. By Jehu. Jehu. 
You find reference to that in 1 Kings 16, 32 and 33, 2 Kings 10, verse 18 to 28. It was the scene of many of the acts of the prophet. Elijah and Elisha. After the exile of the ten tribes, Samaria appears to have continued for a time, at least as the chief city of the foreigners who were brought to occupy their place. Although Shechem became the capital of Samaria's, of Samaritans as a religious sect. So then Samaria had both Jews and Babylonians occupying it at the same time, with the Babylonians being the group in control. That pictures for us the sons of Ham holding captive the sons of Shem. That was black on black situation. Black-on-black black crime is not just the passion of our day, but it goes back to the beginning. The beginning when Adam and Eve and the second beginning following the great flood of Noah and his sons. And Adam and Eve, you end up with Cain and Abel. And then under Noah's children, you end up with Jacob and Esau. and the northern and the southern kingdom. Black on black crime didn't have a 20th or 21st century beginning. It's been around for a long time. You had sons of Ham and the sons of Shem. Who had mixture in their marriages. 
as you had the mixed mixed race. They also had religion with mixed characteristics. That was the real problem with God. The people of Samaria worshiped idols and associated with the people who worshiped Jehovah the one true God. And I want to establish that apostasy from Jehovah was not universal. When the Jews decided to, that they could leave Babylonian captivity, the Samaritans wished to join them in the rebuilding of the temple. But they were refused. refused. Ezra 4 and 2 Share that with us. And the decline was the beginning of the feud between the Samaritans and the Jews. So much so that when Jesus came along and visited Samaria, The woman brought up the feud that existed between the Jews and the Samaritans. And it seems to have grown worse by the year. The Samaritans accepted the Hebrew Hebrew Pentecost, the first five books of Moses. And later, some parts of Joshua with some variations. And our text reveals that both Jesus and this woman of Sychar knew why they, there was animosities between their people. 
But in so many cases, the problems between the races are the product of ignorance. Most of the people in America hate racially without knowing why they hate. That was the way of their fathers and their fathers, forefathers. And so they embraced it too. That was the, the way of my daddy. And so I do it that way as well. Remember, story of the the daughter she was cooking a ham and uh, she cut the end off the ham And the query was made, why you cut the hem, the end off the hem? She said, well, that's the way mama them did it. And when she asked her mother why she did it that way, she said her mother did it that way. And so the mother asked her mother why she did it that way. And keep, they kept trying to trace the beginning of it and it was simply because the great, great, couldn't cook the ham without cutting the end off because he had to cut the end off in order to fit in the pan. And they passed that tradition on to others' generations. At the last church, kept figuring, trying to figure out, why do you have people standing while they're singing the chorus of a hymn during devotion time? And then just about the time that the devotion is Ending, they have them all sit down. And we do it sometimes here. But they had a reason. The deacons would always survey the house in order to see who would pray. 
And so they would have the, the people to stand, sing the hymn. And at the end of the hymn, they would be seated, but only those who wished to have prayer would remain standing. And it became an established practice in our day and time that, that we stand and sing the hymn and then we sit down. We never knew why. But it was a tradition, a practice from the past and uh, the people who would stand would stand and sing and then sit down because they had been directed that that's the way we do it only to discover that mama and them did it that way Dad and them did it that way without knowing why. That if at the close of the hymn when the last chorus is sung, if you remain standing, it said that you were available to pray. That's the way Daddy did it. And so I do it that way as well. It's an antiquitous problem. Then some of us hate racially to perpetuate the problem. You see, racism to our advantage economically in that he who's got the money has first choice at education, first choice at employment. The very attack on affirmative action is a calculated move to perpetuate the race problems. It means that one race has first choice and usually by the dollar. The early days of racism and the present days of discrimination and racism are fueled by economics. He who has the dollar rules. One way to effectively address the problem of racism is to know why there is a problem. As with Jesus and the woman, 
so with us. The problem seems to be antiquitous. A problem of antiquity. Problem of old. But then secondly, not only is it an antiquitous problem, note with me that there exists an attitude problem. The problem often is an attitude of superiority. Look at verse 20. Verse 20 says, Our fathers worship in this mountain and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. That's verse 20. Often our racial postures and positions borders on the edge of the absurd. Look at the absurdity of the superior posture. White to black. We're really all of one stock. We're all of Adam. We're all of Noah. Black to black. When we're all the same race, it's absurdity to distinguish between races. take the posture that my church is better than your church. My doctrine is purer than your doctrine. That's absolutely ridiculous when we're worshiping the same God. We have some differences, but on the major matters, we're together. We worship God. We, we worship Christ. We worship and study this Bible. We have that in common. It's more an attitude of superiority that fuels our racism. Third, consider with me an, an antidote for the poison of racism. It's in this text. 
beginning with verse 7 through 26, we sense the solution to racism. What's the solution? Jesus and the woman communicated with one another. They considered the worth of one another. They committed to serve the same God. And I think that that's the solution. Got to get back to one nation under God. And one nation that believes in the God we trust. In God we trust. So the antidote for the poison of racism is, is a simple focus on the same Christ. Look at verse 25. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. That's the solution. I don't care what color you are. Black, white, yellow, red. We're worshiping the same God, following the same Christ. Verses 25 and 29, the woman saw him for who he was. Verse 28, the woman ran to tell others of his presence. It means she served him. Learn of him. The people came to see for themselves. Verse 30, and the people came to believe on him. Verse 39 and 40 to 42. The antidote for the poison of racism is Christ. Lastly, note with me an answer worth running and telling. We can't afford to miss this encounter. Not, not only must blackdom savor the message, but also all men must come to terms with it. Did we? Did we get that? Not only must blackdom savor the message, but all men must come to terms with it. We must show and tell others 
of the love of the Messiah. He shows his love by moving intentionally to Samaria. He didn't have to go to Samaria, but intentionally he went there. Could have gone elsewhere, but he chose Samaria. And we all ought to understand that Christ never saves by accident, but with intent. Calvary is part of heaven's blueprint, meticulously designed. Must highlight the reaction of Christ loving all men. Look at this black sister. She left her water pot, according to the text. She left her bigotry, her adultery. her looseness, her negativism. She left her fears, her foolishness, her loneliness, frustration, and a sense of being lost. She left her water pot, so says the text. And she ran and told the whole city, come see a man. Come know the Christ. Come meet the master. He told me all things. That's where we should major. If everyone majored there, we'll do away with racism. We'll unite our communities and we'll please our God. That's where we start. That's where we stop. 